0: Well, special thanks to, to those of you who this morning um, exercised your, your spiritual gift of air conditioning adjustment. <laughs> I thought it was just me getting a little bit warm, but there was obviously others. Mike, you and your group, boy, welcome back, man. You guys were missed, huh? Yeah, thanks for being there and watching what God does among the people that were with you. Yeah, thankful. Let me ask you real quick here. Do you... Uh, Reflecting back in your life, do you ever recall a time when you were surprised by a practical joker? Hey, did I just turn that on? Is it on? It's it's on, thank you, brother. All the wonder of all the gifts in the church. <laughs> it is on. It is on. Thank you for making me look better. <laughs> what? It's on. While they're doing this stuff, let me let me ask you that question: Have you ever been surprised by some kind of a, a practical joke sometime in your life? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, brother. Yeah, maybe, maybe you have a, a friend that is a, a prankster, right? You know those kind of people and those type of activities, right? Practical jokes. Well, I've got to tell you, I'm not one of those people. I truly am not. Thank uh, you. I truly am not, but uh, there was this one time that I just flat could not resist. And I'll tell you a little bit about it. Robin and I were getting the idea of, you know, let's, let's plant a vineyard, a small vineyard, but let's plant one. She says, great. So we went down to Home Depot, and we got 25 plants, and we put them in the ground. And we figured, good enough. There it is. And then we began to realize really what it means to raise a vineyard. And so we ended up, first of all, doing several things, um, evicting the rabbits that are on the property. The second thing was realizing that they don't evict, and they keep coming back and trespassing... So we had to put little square white boxes on the bottom of the vines, right, so that the trunk of the vine would not get eaten through and tumble over. And then we began to realize this is really a lot of work. This imp- they're pleasurable when you drive down the street and look at them, but they are a lot of work in the midst of them. So the next thing we realized is, yes, they need water. So not just like with a hose 25 times, but a, a drip system has to be set up. So we set up the drip system, and then we realized by looking at our neighbor's vineyard, which was uh, really nice, and they're standing straight up, and ours are growing horizontal, <laughs> that we're missing something. So we had to put a post at the end, each end of the row, and string wire, three layers of wire, so the, the vines could be propped up. So we propped them up, we thought, good enough, there we are. But then, no, 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 there's the fertilization of the plant, right? you got to be careful what you put in with the plant, because you're going to be eating it, so it's going to be part of you. So Roundup and that stuff with the weeds, Roundup is not there. So we put in a fertilizer, and after the fertilizer, we began to realize that you have to tape these little vines to the wire. (laughs) They just don't find the wire on their own. (laughs) So you tape them, and then you got to prune them, you know what, for 350, we could have got a, a cluster of grapes. <laughs> I thought, you know, this is really stupid, Robin. So what I did is, you know, most of you know that my sister lives with us, and so my sister knew all this activity was taking place, and we told her, yeah, but we really won't have grapes to eat until about three years from now. Oh, disappointed. So at the first year's harvest time, first year harvest time, Robin and I got the idea to go get fake, fake, plump, juicy, mature grapes. Purple, looking so good, as you see there. And we tied them to the vine. Oh, it was so funny. We tied them to the vine. And then we called our sister, you know, real excited. My sister, hey, come on, come on. Hey, take a look at the grapes. Look at the grapes. And I'm standing back, cool, with my, my elbow on the wire. And she comes over and takes a look, I can't believe it, the first year we got eight grapes you can eat. I said, well, <laughs> they <they're> like plastic. <laughs> so I thought, great, I'm just giddy inside, you know. And then she goes over and looks at it, and closer inspection, she realizes, aha, <laughs> she realizes they are not born of the sap of the vine. <laughs> they have been born by two saps. But it, I tell you, it was well worth it. It was well worth it, exciting, just to pull that one over on her. So, you know, little practical jokes once in a while, is kind of good, and I'll just keep them safe, right? Her close inspection revealed that. So why am I telling you the story? I'm telling you the story because I think it has some kind of relevance, some kind of um, association with this morning and our time together, the abundant Christian life that Jesus offers And as an association to that, many of us, when we face our own barrenness of producing the fruit of the Spirit of God, we tend to, could tend to, tie on our own fake fruit. When we have no fruit that's born of the Spirit of God, through the sap of the Spirit of God, we have a tendency to put on some of the effort and works mentality to produce the fruit on our own power. I hope that resonates with at least one other person in here. So I think we need to look at whether or not we're grafting on the fruit or it's the fruit born of the sap of the Spirit of God in our life. Let me read a quick uh, comment here for you from a a book uh, by Brandon Cook, Learning to Live and Love Like Jesus. He writes this, in the human paradigm, we are always running. There's always a place that we got to get to. That place is our idea of how the fulfilled life could or should be. When we get to that place, be it, you know, a a level of education, a career, a family, a financial achievement, everything will finally be great. Almost everybody has a place that they want to be. And the steps that they are supposed to take to get there. Try harder and you'll be rewarded. That's a motto of a lot of people. That's the way they live their life. We know that in the world without Christ, that is exactly how they live their life. Do these things and you'll make it. You will finally arrive. I was there. And sometimes I still go there. So unfortunately what happens is that mindset bleeds into the Christian life. Would you agree? It is so easy. You've been raised since this high to do things based upon reward for your own control that you might be pleasing to someone else and get some kind of reward. And now here you are. Well, some of us are still this high, but you're grown up. And so those habits are still entrenched. So we have a goal of becoming more like Jesus to get closer to Jesus, it said, and we have our steps to do that, to get closer to him. So do you see yourself in this own paradigm, this own self-effort paradigm? The fulfillment is I will no longer have to struggle with producing the fruit of whatever. It will suddenly be there. What are some of the steps that we might take? I'm hope, hopefully you're asking that yourself. What steps do I take if I'm doing this? Now you go to church. You read the scriptures. You pray. You have enough faith. You do some devotional times. But what happens to people that are stuck in that trench, that bleed over from the old life and secular um, impressions on us, is that they get absolutely burned out. Now, if you're living the life under the power of the Spirit of God, uh, you won't get necessarily burned out, but these people get burned out. And when I say burned out, I describe it in a certain way. It's just the fact that what they thought they would get by doing these things is not produced. I don't know how many of you in here, maybe even, you're on that hamster wheel and you've tried and tried again. I read the scripture, I pray, I go to church, have the assembly, I do my devotional time, I fast, I give, no, 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 no. And still, what you see more is you as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit of God. So how many followers do you think are in that position of insufficient disillusionment in their attempts? This is how I describe them. How many of you do you think are producing anything else other than frustration, disillusionment, feelings like they're a failure, powerless themselves, and a disappointment to God. That is what is deadly. I'm a disappointment to God. I've been trying for five years. I'm out of here. This can happen to you, me. It can happen to anybody at varying degrees at varying times. But the challenge is for primarily these people that they have a common string all the way through their life of self-effort. That is destructive to their transformation. It is actually a hindrance. So the question is for this morning for us is are we running or are we resting in Christ? This running, you know, is a very obvious because I've been mentioning it so far, is we are self-effort people, self-effort effort junkies. Are you resting in God's grace or are you self-effort junkies? Uh, we have the mind that God has rec- we have received God's grace and salvation, and we've got salvation, and we once saved, always saved. We will be in heaven, no doubt about it. We embrace that, but we need to produce by works, self-effort, self-discipline. The past several weeks, we've been looking at the book of Hebrews, and in the book of Hebrews, we've learned a lot. Boy, thank you, those of you who served up that meal for us. We've learned that Jesus is supreme to our prophets. Jesus is supreme to the angels. Jesus is supreme to Moses. Jesus is God. This morning, we're going to look at John chapter 15. And in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, there's a lot that John has penned for our benefit on this topic of self-effort and fruit production but what's so key is this very same Jesus that is exalted and supreme above all these things is the one who invites us in. Silence for just a moment. The supreme Christ invites us. That means that we can experience God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're saving power and liberating authority in our life. We get to experience that because of this. And so in John chapter 15, we see that uh, God is telling us some very significant things about this relationship with him. And in this relationship with him, we start to discover some things that we're doing wrong. John chapter 15, the setting is Jesus is there. He's about to go home to the Father, and he's got his disciples there, and he says to them, significance, I'm going to the Father. And so I know that you will be tempted to separate from one another. I know this. I know also that you would be tempted not only to separate from one another, but to leave him. And I know that you will be tempted when hardship comes to deny your apostleship. So Jesus, I mean, what a a wonderful Savior. He's so concerned about them. So we want to hear what John has to say. So let me pray quickly that the Spirit would do a wonderful work in spite of the one that's speaking. Father, thank you for the good time that we have in our fellowship with you. Thank you for the power and authority that you have over the sin in our life. Thank you that it's nailed at a cross and to be remembered no more and that you choose to place it as far as east is from the west. Give us ears to hear this morning, Lord, what you would say to us as a church collectively and that what you would say to us Personally, individually, in Christ's name. Amen. So if you look at the scriptures in John chapter 15, 1 through 8, just kind of skim over them and I'll kind of uh, describe for you three different characters that are in here. The first that Jesus talks about is the husbandmen. That has nothing to do with being a husband, right? It's the King James Version. You might have something else in there, but the husbandmen is the King James Version, so we use that word. And really, The husbandman is the one that is the tiller of the soil. He's the one that protects the vine. He's the one that chases away the rabbits, if you will. The threats to the body of Christ, to the church, to the individual. In our vernacular today, he would be called a um, a gardener. Gardener would be probably a pretty good word for it. He does everything in his power to see that that plant, that branch, bears fruit. That's a yahoo moment. And then, secondly, there's the vine, and the vine is the the object, uh, the methodology, if you will, by which the nutrients and the water and the sap of the vine gets down the vine to the branch, so that the branch can then produce fruit. And Jesus is identified as the vine. And then, on top of that, the very last batting cleanup is the branches, and the branches are the disciples that were there in front of Jesus, and they are the disciples here in in this room. Those of you who understand who Christ is. So there's those types of elements here, those type of characters, rather. And so what I've identified in the scriptures are three different essential aspects, three different essential aspects for living the fulfilled life that Christ promised. Jesus was speaking about abiding, all about abiding. And I, you know that word, and you, we even read it this morning. He's talking all about abiding. But I wonder if, in this room, we really understand what it means to abide. Now, I've heard several different definitions over the years of what abiding is. But I wonder if we really know, if we understand a vine and a branch and the connectedness that the two have. So in here, we're going to look at this abiding as, number one, connecting. And if it's in your notes, I'm not sure if I left a blank there or not, but connecting. Um, Thank you guys. You guys are right on. So it's connecting. The second thing is depending. And then the third thing is this whole idea of continuing. So let's begin first of all, by looking at this idea of connecting with Christ. It's there in verses one to four. "I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Notice how Jesus says, "My Father above him." is the vine dresser. He removes every branch that is in me that bears no fruit. Now, before we, we're not going to get off on this tangent, but the reality is he removes every branch that does not bear fruit. That's not meaning that if you're here, you're going to lose your salvation because you didn't, you know, come out with joy or live a life that produces fruit. That is all about those people that proclaim to know Christ. They profess that they are believers in Christ and they're really not. But every branch that bears Fruit He prunes to make it bear more fruit. Verse 3, You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I abide in you. Notice again that loving kindness there of Christ assuring his disciples that they are cleansed, it says. That they are cleansed. It's interesting. You don't pick it up in the English language. I don't know Greek. Uh, you've heard me say it before. I know people that do, and, and computer programs that do. And so, if you look up these words and you chase that rabbit, uh, rabbits, <laughs> and you, you, you chase that rabbit, you really understand this that prune and clean are the same. Let me just leave it with that. So, he's telling the disciples, You have already been cleansed. And you've been cleansed by the power of the word, and your response to it already cleansed. That's significant. The cleansing power of the word of God when you obey it. So in verse 2 and 3, you get this play on words, but the reality is they're clean and they're comfortable with being clean and Christ's assurance about that. So that means that the disciples are pruned slash cleansed slash connected with the vine, with Jesus. So first century uh, Jews would have known very very easily what Jesus was talking about here because the reality is every one of them, even if they were lower income, had some kind of a vine or an olive tree or a fig tree in their their yard somewhere, in the backyard, front yard, wherever it may be. They knew about it. So his disciples would have immediately said, oh, I get it, I get it, vine, branch, I get it, vine, branch, fruit, awesome. So they get that picture so what we learn first is that anyone who is in Jesus, accent in Jesus, that life-giving connection to him is who he's talking about. That life-giving connection is, means that you, at some point in time in your life, have surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus, that you understood by God's empowerment that your life is a life of rebellion, no matter how small of rebellion it is against a holy God, and that because of that, which is called sin, Christ, God in the flesh, took on your sin and was crucified, taking the discipline that you deserve. That's what it means to be connected. And that's the first stage. So you're connected then, Christ now theologians call it union with Christ that's very interesting a union with Christ look at verse 4 notice that the connection the union with Christ is mutual mutual I abide in you you abide in me that's cool that is really super I've got a role he's got a role Keep that in mind as we go through this. We talk about self-effort and works. So if there is no life, there is no fruit. So we're connected to Jesus, and we're united with him, and if we're united with him, we're united with him in all the points of what he's done in history. All of the heavy doctrinal theological points that he has done is wrapped up in this union with him and I'll describe just a few of them for you so you can recall the wonderful, majestic, powerful, supreme work that was done at the cross. We are united or union, in union with him in his death. And I think I'd have the scriptures there for you on your notes. But in his death we're united. We share in his resurrection. We're united there. We share in his ascension. In Colossians 2.12, we have been raised up with Christ. Church, you know, the the challenge, at least for me this morning, is to help you uh, um, see things in a different way because I've I've known Christ for 36 years. And when you hear these words like in Christ, union, you know, sanctification, saved, and you hear all these biblical terms, uh, even theological terms, doctrinal terms, you can become so accustomed to them that whoosh, I know what that is. I know what it is. But ascension, and we share also not only in his ascension, but his heavenly sessions. Ephesians will tell you that in, in chapter 2, verse 6. Because we sit with him in the heavenly places so that our life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, if you know how to dance, you'd probably be up right now doing it. Because that should be a great expression from you to him for all he's done. And we will share also in his promised return. Do you know that? Raise your hand if you know that, church. Are you waiting for it? Boy, hallelujah. Even so, come. So can you see it? A union with him. That's the foundation of our sanctification. That's the foundation of bearing fruit. Connectedness. So how do you tell... I'm going to put this to bed. Thank you. How do you tell when you're connected? I'm going to give you some proof positive things. Number one, when you're abiding in Christ, you produce fruit. If you've got yourself or any friend or any relative or a neighbor that says, yeah, I know the Lord Jesus, or yes, I know Jesus, however terminology they use. I know the man upstairs, whatever they they use, right? You can ask them, how do you know? And if you can't see or someone else can't see, they can't tell you fruit that has been produced. Good time to question whether there's a connection with Christ. Now, that doesn't mean like you're not going to go through seasons of no fruit. How many of you did that? You've went through seasons when there just isn't any fruit. I'll explain to you later on what fruit is. If you're here this morning, you don't even know about the Bible, then yeah, fruit thing is weird. Like, you know, like, (laughs) am I supposed to be popping out grapes? (laughs) Well, how? What do you mean? What are you talking about? So I'll tell you a little bit about the fruit of it. But you'll bear fruit. The next thing is, the Father is going to prune you. The Father will prune you for a purpose. So that you bear more fruit. What a father, what a vine dresser, what a husbandman, that you'll bear more fruit. I bought a pair of pruning shears, you know, those, you, know, you go along the bushes, you cut them all off, you cut off the dead stuff and so on. I bought a pair of those, and on the side of it, on the handle, it says the name of the manufacturer. I said, That's kind of cool. it doesn't no, it? It said Corona. Don't be going there. This isn't a beer manufacturer that made my, 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 my shears, my pruners. But it said Corona. That's just the name of the, the company. And so I got to thinking on the side of the shears that God uses, what is written there? Trials, testings. That's what's written on the side. Now take it, wind it forward. What does that say about your life? Anybody had any, any testings over this past week? Go ahead, feel free. Okay, you've been tested. Yeah, me too, in a thousand different ways. My patience, right? My arrogance, you know, my, my pride. That's been tested. So, in the trials and the testings in your life, as these snips, he's pruning it, and that stuff's flying off. For what purpose, church? Okay, that was pretty weak. Thank you, thank you. To bear more fruit, Right? So how do you look at trials and testings then? Good or bad? Yeah, every. Thank you. Every time the traffic gets tight and you know, it's, I'm gonna be. Oh, that's where he tested me. See, a little bit of pruning. You should say instead of oh, you should say, oh God, that tickles. Because you know that is the start of a brand new, fruit. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's a wonderful thing to be pruned. So we've got to stop looking at it from the negative side. So trials and testings are your pruning. And then the believer will know that he's connected because, number one, or number three, he's deepening in his love for Christ and the church. Hmm. If those you're sitting among this morning are an irritant to you, bless God for it. And change. Don't wait for them to change. There's a wonderful book out. Uh, it's called, um, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, thank you. That was a good job. Just by a facial expression. Uh, sacred Marriage. I highly recommend it, sacred marriage, because it tells you that your spouse is not your enemy. Your spouse is there, that annoyance, that irritant, to prove... (laughs) Not you. That was not you. That was in Robin's voice speaking about me. But your spouse is there to do these things that they do, whatever, chew ice, you know... Whatever things they do, leave their clothes everywhere, I'm getting better. They're there for the purpose of revealing those things or doing those things so that what's in your life is revealed that needs to be pruned. It's not about me telling her, do this right and do it the right way, the way I like it, the way I'm satisfied. It's about me saying, oh, God, what are you doing with that that pruning shear? That's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what it is. So it's a wonderful book. It works Husband and wife, it works people to people. So anyway, try it. Uh, The next thing is, he is experiencing joy. Now, those of you who don't have joy written all over your face, uh, start to change it. Go in the mirror and practice. (laughs) Let the be done away with. If there's joy in your life, in season, there's joy in your life. and so they'll have joy. That's in John 11. So connecting, get this, connecting with God in this new community is actually something that is an adopted lifestyle for you that is far beyond your capacity. Get it? Every time you want to be patient and you can't, it is far beyond your capacity. Try as you may. I'm just going to There's little muscles back here. If you see somebody that talks and their muscles are just going because they're tight jawed, that means they're just holding on to something. They don't want to let out. Some of that can be good at times. He is asking you to come into the family, which is far beyond your capacity to live out. Far beyond it. So, knowing this, Jesus is explaining to the disciples and he's explaining to us today about how you can actually produce fruit in your life. And the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Oh, why did he? Why self-control? That's the fruit. Paul describes them in Galatians chapter twenty-two, or chapter five, twenty-two to twenty-three. So that's it. Connected, right? Number two. After he explains what it means to be connected to the vine, he then goes to number two, which is depending. Dependent upon Jesus. How many here depend upon Jesus? Okay, check again now. (laughs) Really think about this. I'm going to give you a percentage. See, that's better. 10%? 40%. I don't think there's anybody here 100%, right? We're all growing. So you're dependent upon Jesus. He says in the Scripture there, verse 4 and 5, Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. For apart from me you could do nothing. Now I'm going to say this one little phrase here and I'd like you to repeat it with me after I've said it and you know it. This is so key to this idea of grinding out the spiritual life, the Christian life through self-effort or discipline that I want us to allow it to sit in there for a while. The key, said a different way, is this. This is what I'd like you to repeat with me. Apart from Jesus, I cannot bear fruit. Okay? i us say it now. Apart from Jesus, I cannot bear fruit. Now we've got to believe it. Church, now we've got to believe it. I've only been a vine dresser for a short period of time, right? A couple of years now. We're not, we, don't even, we, don't even, we don't even have that, that <laughs> plump grape yet. I'm still waiting. It's been three years. They lied to us. <laughs> it's, been, it's been three years. Three years I've been doing this thing, and I have never yet seen a branch produce fruit in the air, floating out here somewhere. It's always got to be connected to the vine. Basic fundamental principle regarding this, this whole idea of producing fruit. Now, Brandon, again, Brandon Cook, uh, he writes this. I think that often we try to produce spiritual fruit based on self-effort. saying exactly what I'm, I'm articulating here. At least I hope I am. The problem with the human paradigm is self-effort is that in the Christian life, we never arrive. Now, some of you are very astute. You read the scriptures regularly, but... This whole idea of we never arrive is uh, uh, foreign to some of us. We work, 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 work so hard that suddenly we're going to be there. Eh, not really. Have you noticed that you are never where you think you could or should be? He writes. There's always a further place to go, always one more thing to be done. Paul says it this way. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? Join me in confession. How many of you have a hard time doing that? You'll accept the grace of God and salvation by the Spirit, but you, man, you, you are going to work it out in perfection through self-effort. Man, I tell you, that is so, I don't know, church, why it is, but it, it well, it's who we are. It's our nature. But, man, that's, it's um, It's hard. So that's the lifestyle of running, running uphill as a matter of fact. So abiding, you can hit the next slide if you would, uh, Ron. This whole idea of abiding is is dependence upon resting, resting in Christ's finished work. So it's either running or it's resting for our lives. Brandon again reminds us of some questions, and this is really interesting If you're the kind of person that does things by self-effort and you're going to produce spiritual fruit by self-effort, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, blah, 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 you are probably asking yourself, how am I doing? It may be phrased a different way, but how am I doing? It might be like, oh, man, I failed again. I'm not doing very good, right? Um, Why did I do that again? 50 times I've told myself never. So it might be rephrased, but the bottom line is, how am I doing? But the person who rests in his life with Christ and lets Christ produce the fruit is the one that is going to be saying or asking the question, God, how can you be so good? Is there a radical difference? How am I doing? Focus on me, my efforts, my discipline, versus over here, God, how can you be so good? That's a focus on learning to abide in Christ, trusting that he's going to do something. There is not a person in this room that knows Jesus Christ that's connected that does not bear fruit. Because remember, one of the evidences is you bear fruit. So you're going to be bearing fruit. Your transformation of your life is going to take place. If it's been a while, listen to the second half of our time together. So the application here is that So how do you account for your personal spiritual growth? How do you account for it? Self-evaluation, your production of fruit, how does that happen? Does it happen through your running or does it happen through your resting? Can you determine it? If you are more patient today, where did that patience come from? If you have more self-control today, where did you find strength to say no? If there's more joy in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ today than there has been in the past, where did the joy come from? You think there's something in here that you can go, and it's suddenly there? What I'm trying to say is from John, it's not there. An inability to produce that. This Dr. Tim Keller, who is a founder and pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, he's a graduate from Westminster Theological Seminary, affirms this, and he writes this one little sentence, the spirit does not work, never works apart from the gospel. It is the channel and the form of the spirit's power. So if something's being produced in there, a pseudo fruit of joy or patience, it is pseudo. It is tied or grafted in. If it's genuine, it's of the Spirit of God. That's wonderful. I've just been touched by the Spirit of God. Apostle Paul says in Galatians, the same way the Spirit entered into your life should be the very same way the Spirit advances your life. So the struggle with the Christian life is we we attempt, you know, things and we rely on ourselves to do it. And we accept God and we appreciate God's forgiveness and his accepting us. But the responsibility in this whole idea of redemption for us is on obedience. Now I'm I'm not poo-pooing this. Obedience is God's love language, right? Us to Him but it sounds good unless you really understand what it means because we're just saying we're being obedient to God. It means that we think we try and pick up where God left off. God's done all this. Nope, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to pick it up. What's wrong with that? It sounds good. What's wrong with it? I'll tell you. Does God ever stop? God never leaves off. He never leaves off. He never stops producing fruit in the branch. Again, it sounds good and I understand we we, we walk in obedience. That's the Christian life. But we when we if we think the obedience is of us, because we picked it up where God stopped, we are absolutely wrong. Would you agree? Anything we do that is good and pleasing to God, which is including obedience, is evidence that He has done something. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, for God has given you everything both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So you think He came up with the will to do this? I can't muster that up. There's no way I can muster that. I don't want to say I'm sorry. I don't want to say, will you forgive me? I don't want to do certain things. I I want to stay in my addiction. That's what I have to offer. But everything to will and to do of his good pleasure comes from God himself. See, we have nothing to offer. You came into salvation that way, and you're going to stay in salvation all the way through to glorification. You're going to stay that way. But God does it all. So understanding this idea of self-effort versus grace, listen to this stuff, because I really want to help you understand. I'm going to read my notes here. I'm going to hopefully help you understand this real um, dichotomy, this tension point, this pressure of when do I do and when does he do and all that stuff. Um, Some Christians take on too much stress because they rely on themselves for things... God freely wants to do through them. Does that make sense? You know, they want to run the ball. No, give me the ball. And I'll help you move through here. I will propel you. It's stuff he wants to do through you. Your power, this is so cool. This brought it home for me. I thought about this thing about power and limiting power. stuff. Anyway, your power is too limited. I got this quote, your power is too limited, your vision is too small to accomplish what God wants to do through your life. Your powers too limited, your vision is too small. If you come up with it, it's too small for God. Since God came up with your transformation way before the foundations of the world, it's too big for you, church. So let him. Let him empower you to live like you're supposed to live. So think of it this way. You need the fruit of love to reach out to the lost. You need the fruit of self-control to drop that addiction. You need the fruit of peace to live in this current world. Or if you're a husband here this morning, you're the one that needs the fruit of kindness to step into the loving leadership shepherding role of your wife. Or if you're a wife here this morning, you need the patience, the spiritual fruit of patience for the purpose of respecting your husband who's really not worthy of being respected. It's not in you. So you abide. Your responsibility is simply to abide. If you abide, you'll obey. But you've got to abide. So John loves that word abide. He uses it 50 times in his gospel. He uses it 11 times in this chapter alone. Loves the word Abiding. Now, I can tell you very simply what word word abiding is. You can advance the slide a couple of spots. Thank you. Um, This whole idea of abiding, very simple term is, I'll give it to you, to remain for a period of time. But there's so much more. Dependence is part of it. So first, it's your dependence upon Christ's saving authority. So we covered that already. It's dependence for provision and strength in your daily walk. And that brings perseverance, determination, long-suffering. That's found in verse 4. In verse 7, you'll find that it's all about dependence on a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with his word. So how does it impact your daily life with Christ, your daily walk? Well, degrees of fruit are being born in your life. You bear fruit. Then it says, look at verse 2. More fruit. Then look at verse 8, much fruit. As you grow, you're experiencing this, the power and authority of Christ in your life. Again, theological term, union with Christ. That's one thing. Communion with Christ is something else. You could be here this morning and have union with Christ because you're saved. And all those things we mentioned about, the heavens and all that stuff, is yours. But the reality is, you could be so weak in your communion with him because of this self-effort type thing. Be on guard for that pseudo fruit. Looks good to all of you. I could look good to all of you, but you never really know how much of this fruit is really bore the Spirit. And how much is, you know, we can do a lot, right? We can fake it till we make it. That's deadly. Just be who you are. So the branch is weak. Notice in those verses in 1 to 8 this idea of the branch and the vine being reciprocal is in there in the beginning of the verses 1 to 4. But the reality is when we're talking about dependence we don't contribute anything to Jesus. The branch does not contribute. It is not reciprocal. Jesus does it all. I'll do this thing real quick here. Um, what, are the, what are the disciplines of, the, of the, the Christian life? Give me some of them. And if I can't spell it, I'm going to give the pen to you. <laughs> okay. okay, what is it? Fasting, okay? Okay, the word? Prayer? Prayer? Okay, that's a good thing. It should be a product of all these things, but yeah, we'll we'll call it assembly, huh? Who said that? Okay, solitude. And giving. Thank you. You know what happens? Now, I'm not saying intentionally this is done, but we bought into this. We bought into this. All of this equals... Thank you for the help. I knew it. Right? But is that true? Is it true? Do this. Yeah, it's true. But what happens is, I'll just do it now. We make it a law. It's the motivation behind it. How many of you have ever been in a bad mood and said, if I just read the Bible, I'm going to read the Bible tomorrow. I have been reading it for three weeks. I'm going to read it tomorrow. I'm going to read it tomorrow. Expecting. <laughs> not really. So we make it a law. We say if we just do these six things, it will equal fruit on abundant life. And that's, that's what's kind of a tension point because those things are involved in an abundant life. But we don't do them. Do them thinking because we did them we'll get fruit. Does that make sense? It's really a challenge. I'm gonna explain it a little bit later, uh, or, or, right now actually. What we have to do, and it's, <laughs> thank you Lord, I'll do it right now. The idea, on your notes there's the word cultivating. That's a great word. I don't know if you really understand what cultivating is, but I'm gonna to try to explain it to you now. When you are involved in cultivating, you cultivate a vine plant, right, the soil, mixing the nutrients and all, all that. Um, Cultivating your own spiritual life involves this stuff here. Now, this is, I hope, good stuff for you. Um, It means to improve or develop by careful attention, paying attention, training, and study. I don't know how many times... I've encountered the problem of my life is just not producing fruit. I just don't know what happened to my life. Da, 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 right? Let's get on the path. When's the last time you read the Word? Ooh, yeah, the Word. I mean, like this Word? Yeah. Are you talk talking like hours or days or weeks, years? What? Okay. When's the last time you prayed? I pray all the time. Pray all the time. On the road. Pray, pray, pray. Okay. Is that good? The struggle's there. So, what does it mean to cultivate? You pay attention, you train, slash, practice, and you study. So, not so you'll get closer to Christ. You can't get any closer than you already are in your union. But you can grow in your communion with Him by experiencing through these things that what He says is right. Does that make sense? He says, get off the addiction. Stop arguing. Stop being so arrogant. You are very impatient. You think of yourself better than you think of those people. So you read the Word of God, you hear what he has to say. The Spirit of God speaks, right? You're experiencing now, oh, God, you were right. If I just would have did that six months ago, there wouldn't be the hardship in this relationship. There wouldn't be the divorce. There wouldn't be the children who are rebellious going to Orangewood. If I just would have experienced your truth. Not because they did these things and that's rubbing a lamp. Now I'm going to get the, the good stuff. There's a difference. You have to cultivate this. Finally, I'm stretching this thing, so I'm going to qu- quickly go through this. Um, thanks for your grace. You look at verse 8. My Father's glorified that you bear much fruit. Up to this point, I've been talking about what you do. Now I'm talking about why you do it. If you bear fruit, great. But you ultimately do it that your God be glorified. And I'll let you read 9 and 10 on your own, but let me jump into this because I need to be here. You see where it says, my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit? That word bear is not a word that says a one-time production of the fruit. It is an ongoing production of bearing fruit from now when I accepted Christ in July of 1982 all all the way, straight on through until he takes me into glory. Bearing fruit, bearing fruit, bearing fruit. For what purpose? So I can be just a joyful little Christian? Oh, that's the icing on the cake. Ultimately, to glorify your God who's in heaven. So it says, keep on bearing much fruit, or continue in your bearing fruit, however you want to put it, It results in God being glorified. So it isn't really about you, it's about him. And then in verse 7, you know, Jesus says in that prayer that, you know, his disciples, um, he connects with them saying, you know, that whatever you ask, you know, you'll receive. Let me tell you real quick here, he's not saying ask for whatever you want like a genie's lamp, right? We know that. In the context of the passage, he says, whatever you ask in the context of what I've been saying, I will give to you. So I translate it this way. Verse 7 is a prayer. Verse 8 says it glorifies His Father. So whatever you ask in your prayer that will glorify the Father in the context here is that you are asking for bearing more fruit. Jump to the chase. Father, give me the spirit sap to produce the fruit that ultimately glorifies you. That's what he's saying. So church, there's really no other way. Sometimes my heart, sometimes your heart aches for the people that are caught up in self-effort. Abiding, it takes connecting, it takes depending, it takes continuing on and on and on. The challenge is not to run, but the challenge is to rest, cultivate that dependency upon God, and just watch him work. All right, Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Even as um, we conclude, I'm thinking about this idea that um, cultivating a trust in you is what I need to do personally. That there really isn't anything that I have to say or even anything that the other men who I've been reading have to say that doesn't come from you that is going to be profitable. I have nothing to offer, and I know my brothers and sisters have nothing to offer as well. So thank you. Thank you for calling us into the kingdom. Thank you for the spirit sap that we can produce fruit that ultimately glorifies you. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen.